My name is Lex, and this week on Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discuss Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, the frog-like features of Tobey Maguire, and the combat effectiveness of Goblin Masks. Get ready to go on the ultimate spin, because it's time for Spidey Signals. Welcome back to Spidey Signals, uh, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man movies. I'm Lex. And I'm Alex. Uh, Last week we had our introductory episode, but this week it's time to get into the meat and potatoes. We are talking about Spider-Man. What a surprise. What a shock. What a shock. We're talking about Spider-Man. So uh, let's just open up here with some basic facts about the movie. This movie, released on May 3rd of 2002, I believe I was... Uh, I think I would have turned three that year. I was freshly six, just just a few months prior. I did not see this movie in the theater. Nor did I. Yeah, I, I was just too young. I think I didn't see movies until, like, 2003. Mm. But, yeah... It's directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, He was fresh, obviously, off of the Evil Dead movies. Uh, He had done a string of more independent dramas and stuff like that in the mid-90s. But then he got picked up for this movie. Uh, It's written by David Kep, who has written quite a few other movies, including both Jurassic Park and uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So uh, make of that what you will. Someone had to write it. <laughs> Somebody had to write that shit. As for our cast, we've got Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane Watson, Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn slash the Green Goblin, James Franco as Norman's son Harry Osborn, Cliff Robertson as Uncle Ben, Rosemary Harris as Aunt May, and of course, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. On the music front, we've got Danny Elfman doing the score. In the past, he'd done scores for other superhero movies like Batman and Batman Returns. Uh, But the music in this movie is really fucking great. It really, really is. It's really good. Uh, This movie had a budget of $139 million and made $825 million. This movie made a fuckload of money. It really, yeah. It it, it was uh, it was a milestone movie. I think it was like the first movie to make like a hundred million dollars in its first weekend. Yeah, I, I I have some bits about that when we get to my super fun trivia segment. Yeah, like this movie was like a huge event when it came out. Uh, so do we have uh, do we have any personal experiences with this movie? Uh, as I mentioned in our introductory uh, episode zero, this this specific movie was the first movie I ever owned on DVD. Uh, I I grew up wearing out VHS tapes because I had very few of them and I would watch them repeatedly. I want to say I went through two copies of Toy Story. That one got a lot of a lot of love in my household. But when it came to DVDs, those were, you know, fresh and modern. And, you know, this is what movies are going to be from now on. And the first one I ever saw was Spider-Man. And I, I was completely blown away by it. I don't know whatever happened to that one, but uh, 
it, maybe it's in DVD heaven now, you know, where all the e-waste goes. Um, I I did not see it in the theater, but I, I very shortly thereafter got the GameCube port of the uh, Spider-Man film game. I just recently played that game. I think it's pretty good. It's fine. It's fine. It, it's it's got a lot of fun secrets, and it's got a lot of fun like takes uh, of different villains in that you know scenario and timeline and universe before two. Yeah, you know, was an idea. It's it's a whole thing. But uh, as far as Spider Man One goes, yeah, I, I, it's a very nostalgic movie for me. It, it's a very early. Uh, it's the first Sam Raimi movie I ever saw. Anybody that knows me in real life knows that the Evil Dead franchise is is probably my one true love uh evil dead 2 i think is my favorite movie hands down period uh, i'm a long time fan of Raimi's work and it blew my mind getting into his horror movies like this is the the guy, the guy that made spider-man made this the the guy that made the goofy ass green goblin movie as time goes on it, it it just shows more and more to me like oh yeah no Raimi made this yeah it's kind of bonkers to think that the, uh you know like 1981 this guy makes the evil dead and it's like this weird independent gross ass horror movie and then like 20 years later he's making multi-million dollar superhero movies and i guess that sort of reflects now with marvel and dc movies picking up like random indie directors and being like you're gonna make a superhero movie now david f sandberg the guy that made uh you know annabelle now doing shazam that kind of thing it's it's not an uncommon trend yeah, John Watts, who uh, makes the new Spider-Man movies, he made a, bunch, a couple of indie movies. Uh, used to be a guy on YouTube that made stuff. Yeah, it's it's very interesting that that's become more of a common thing. But also, we're going to get into this later, this is very much a Sam Raimi movie. Intensely. This is, this, is ve- this is a Sam Raimi movie from uh, top to bottom. It's got screams, it's got slashes, it's got... It's, it's very much his movie. Uh, and there's a there's a uh, a common complaint that I agree with a lot of the time that a lot of modern superhero movies the the director's vision is sort of lost when it comes to uh, all the corporate interests and what the brand wants mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of what the individual director's uh, ideas and what their style is it's sort of lost in the mix. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but this movie is just a really good example of what can happen when you do have a director that has a really focused vision. For sure. No, no, you'll notice nobody calls Fantastic Four. I don't even know who directed the Fantastic Four. Uh, Tim Duology. Story. No one no one ever goes, oh, well, in stories, Fantastic Four. But, you know, everybody goes, well, in Raimi's Spider-Man, you know, yes. you, 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 there's there's that qualifier. There's that pedigree. It's yeah, it's 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 how these three these three we're going to go as we go through the podcast, we'll compare the three series and they're all they're defined by different things. Obviously, the MCU movies are defined by the universe that they live in. Uh, these movies are defined by Raimi's vision, uh, and the amazing movies are the amazing movies. <laughs> but as for my personal experiences, like I said, I was too young to see this movie. I was like three. Uh, but I did get the DVD, and I watched the shit out of that DVD. Do you remember on the DVD uh, they had, uh, like tips and tricks for the game on it and like bruce yeah. Cameron would narrate them yeah, he would, yeah i remember that's the first time i heard the phrase it was either inner domain or inner sanctum oh the my way God, he said it. Yes. i distinctly remember that phrase 
Uh, I remember the DVD as well had uh, it was like a digital rogues gallery. I remember like you could there were like little CGI shocker and goblin you could like go through and be like, oh, here's their backstory. Here's their first appearance. It was like on a disc two kind of yeah. thing. I, I, I really, really that was a golden era for special features. I was uh, I was a big special features kid. I, I watched oh, special yeah. features more often than I actually watched the movies. All of those mimetic uh, episode one, two, and three prequel, like all the memes that came from the behind the scenes Star Wars ones. Uh, those those were like that, that. Those I saw more than the prequels themselves. I think. Uh, I have a theory. I have a theory about the prequels and these movies, but I'll get into oh, that later. Of course, of course. Uh, but Alex. Do you want to take it away with the plot? Yeah. Um, the movie kicks off with uh, incredible, incredible Danny Elfman score. And oh, my Alex, God. And Alex Ross art. Uh, Alex Ross art, I don't think it wasn't even until the second movie. Oh, well, maybe I was just uh, had nostalgia goggles on. There was there was some good stuff. No, you're right. I, I thought I remembered one or two, but no, that is the second one. Wow. Yeah, the, the first movie has like this, this like CGI stuff that looks right, really hand, weird uh, and cool. 3D model of Spider-Man. We get Alex Ross on the podcast. And, you know, we got three Alexes. <laughs> yeah, we get Alex Ross on the podcast. Please come on the podcast, Alex Ross. Alex Ross, um, if you're here, please come on our podcast. There's some phenomenal um, theatrical cut Blade Runner style narration from Peter. Uh, oh my you know, god. Some Some serious... This uh, fucking narration. I wanna, seriously. I wanna make a, I wanna make a comment right now. Toby Maguire in this movie is kind of awful. He sounds like he's on Ambien all the time. Um, I, I, yeah, that, that. Believe me, I have some notes about that. Um, I, a lot of people like to argue, um, you know, who plays the best Spider-Man versus who plays the best Peter. And a, a thing that comes up a lot is that people love Toby's Spider-Man, but a lot of people don't buy him as Peter. And I feel like I'm one of those people. Um, for, for me, it's it's sort of the reverse. Uh, I, I think he does a good Peter. He does a good Peter before the spider bite. Which is like five minutes. Which is like five minutes. <laughs> after he gets bit by the spider, uh, you know, and he becomes Spider-Man. I That's feel like take. I feel like Peter should, I don't know, like, in, in the comics especially, after he becomes Spider-Man, he gains a little more self-confidence. He like changes and grows as a person. Yeah. Uh, Toby Maguire throughout all three of these movies is just like a complete goober. Total loser. Total loser. I could beat the shit out of this guy even if he was even Spider-Man. with the superpowers. Even yeah. with the superpowers. He's, the, I he do, looks... I'm looking at my notes right now. The first time you see him on the bus, I wrote down sweaty Chris Chan esque. Someone yell, <laughs> "You're so lame, Parker." I, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote. These are the oldest high schoolers on the planet. Toby Maguire looks like he's forty-seven years old in this movie. Which brings me to my next uh, plot point. Uh, uh, I love the absurdity of uh, Rich Harry Osborne being uh, uh, Peter's friend in this movie because it's hard to pull off that kind of thing without seeming, you know, Ned and, and Peter and the MCU. Oh well, they they're just friends, and we never give them backstory. They give so much backstory to the fact that, oh wow, my dad loves you so much, and you're my friend, and and you're so smart, and I'm a really fucking stupid idiot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, it, it that does ring true to the source material a lot. Um, it's it's easy to you know trim and forget about side characters, and Harry Osborn has gotten the short end of the stick as a character in other franchises. 
or yeah. rather at other iterations of this franchise. And it, uh, as far as that character goes, I think Franco uh, could have, you know, there could have been worse. I, I feel like one of the things that this movie does get really right is just how much Norman fucking hates Harry's guts. Yeah, that's that, that that's a hard thing to portray. That's not a lot of the thing. The people like to remember the Green Goblin. He's the funny guy on the glider that throws the bombs and goes, "I'll get you, Spider-Man." Well, he also hates his son. He just he just fucking hates his son. He just hates he, that idiot so much. He uh, Willem Dafoe, who we will also get into, who is a goddamn national treasure in this movie. For sure, uh, so many he, so many memes. So he many memes is so good at the passive aggression. Mm. He's so he good does, at the passive aggression. He does a good job of towing the line of the insane goblin, the timid, oh no, don't hurt me, Norman, and also like the stone cold broomer and get out of here, Norman. Ah. Good stuff. Oh my god. All right. I, I love the awkward, uh, oh, she wasn't waving at me, she was waving at <laughs> yeah. other people thing. Because 20 years later, I still die inside watching that because it's so oh real, it's so visceral. I cringe more at that than anything else in Sam Raimi's filmography. Yes. Um, we get to the museum sequence, and one thing I like a lot about this uh, iteration of the franchise is that at first I thought it was implied, but it's outright stated at the end of the sequence that this spider that Peter is bitten by is an amalgamation of lots of different spiders' abilities, uh, jumping, reflexes, etc. Uh, whereas, you know, in the original, original source material, it's just, it's radioactive. It's radioactive, because it's the 60s, everything's fucking radioactive. <laughs> So I, I like that they kind of put that on its head a little bit. They did a little more than just, okay, it's 2000. What do we do? And I think that's how they do it in uh, the Ultimate comics. It's like mm-hmm. genetically engineered uh, by, like, by Oscorp. They, they really play up the blue and red thing, um, which I liked. Uh, I do like that. They name drop Spider Sense, which, you know, everyone... The it's, a dumb, it's, a, it's a dumb scene, but it's, it's you know, it's let's go there. with it. It's all there. Uh, it strikes me as odd, but Peter tells absolutely nobody that a potentially deadly spider bites him at the exotic spider exhibit. Um, it was it was the it was the fucking Bush administration. He didn't have health insurance. Yeah, he, he stumbles home. Uh, we see the classic Raimi car very very briefly. Yes. Uh, he comes home and Uncle Exhibition is you know given his spiel about oh ah, I lost my job I'm retired on my ass May I hate being old. What's a computer? I, I hate. <laughs> hate being old uncle ben gets an ipad i would love to see that <laughs> calm down stop me i'm watching my ipad <laughs> peter seems completely like like he just hit like a like a gravity bong before he comes home he's, he's he, just conked out like tying back to what you said earlier about um about about toby's performance being a little a little mellow a little too mellow Sleepy. for the movie uh, he, he, Peter just seems completely like wasted when he comes home, and his, and his aunt and uncle are just like, "Oh well, what a good boy. Let him nap." <laughs> um, Norman, who we've seen for precisely two scenes before this, does uh, some experimental gas uh, for profit, like a fucked up Elon Musk. Yes, yes. They they want to. He he's like working uh, on a contract for the military, and they're like making performance enhancing drugs or whatever. If you're and familiar like, with the comics, you have a grasp on on who Norman is, like the 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 precise bastard attitude that he has. Yes. You know what I mean? So it, but if you haven't 
if you have no familiarity with the comics and you're just watching this, all you know is that he's a businessman and he has a terse relationship with his son. The very next thing you see of him, he is like subjecting himself to this experiment because like his his check is on the line, you know. Because his, because his, don't because, because don't name be a coward. The damn company. He didn't don't. call it, you know, Goblin Corp. He called it Oscorp. He, he, Oscorp, he, motherfucker. <laughs> this is his ass on the line, so he's gonna go huff that green juice. Um, you know, military contract, be damned. Uh, next scene, Peter wakes up and can see he's a muscle-bound freak uh, instead of a tiny twink, like when he went to sleep. He's kind of uh, he's kind of ripped in this movie. Yeah, I, McGuire had Defoe a... Well, is kind of ripped, too. This, that's kind of fucked if up. I, if I read correctly, McGuire was eating, like, four to six protein meals a day on top of his, like, exercise regimen to be Spider-Man. And it's like, what do you, what, damn, dude. What do you think is, like, the sexual aura of, like, Willem Dafoe in this movie? Was he, like, also getting super shredded? I like to believe he was already that shredded, but... I heard heard Willem Dafoe had an (laughs) 8-pack in this movie. Uh, Peter Parker has a bizarre pervert window in his room that is at the exact same position and size as MJ's. I refuse to believe that these they they act in this movie like they've never had a conversation prior to this week, despite being the same age, going to the same school, and with pervert windows in both of their homes. (laughs) I refuse to believe that these characters never spoke, no matter how dorky and no matter how popular she is, but that's the case. That's what we're told. I think the Peter and MJ stuff in this movie is, it's really cute. I like their relationship in this movie. It's very Hollywood romance. It's Um, very Hollywood romance. The second and third movie do things to Mary Jane Watson that I will talk about. Yeah. That I I will talk about when we get to that episode. I feel like for a lot of people. In this movie, I think it's fine. Kirsten Dunst is a lot of people's definitive MJ, I think, more so than even like some of the comic iterations. She definitely looks the part. There's, there's arguably more movie fans than there are comic fans at this yes. point. More people who have seen all three movies and have read really any like notable runs. You know what I mean? Clone yeah. Saga, One More Day, stuff like that. Um, God, who the fuck would want to read One More Day? It's just something that came to mind. You're just, <laughs> just pulling shit out of your ass. So yeah, you know, Kirsten Dunst, a lot of people, I know a lot of people personally that don't like her performance in this, but honestly, I would have rather seen this than, (laughs) Sam Raimi is not very, very gifted in the romance department. He has a habit of like, oh, well, you know, Evil Dead, she's dead. I killed her off in the first 15 minutes. You know, he, he's, he's a very dudes rock filmmaker, very Carpenter style. He's a dude's uh, rock filmmaker. He has a hard time writing women uh, and, you know, directing women. Maybe. And, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I don't know a whole lot about uh, the writing style of Mr. David Kep, but the, I, it's 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 serviceable. It's completely serviceable. In what this I movie. will say is that uh, given the two characters and the differences between the two characters, I would rather have seen Raimi write MJ or rather, you know, direct MJ for this movie than try to take on Gwen Stacy. Because oh I God. feel like that would just be another immediate, oh, well, I killed her in the first 15 minutes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they try to do it in the third movie, and then that's a whole different thing. <laughs> uh, MJ's parents in this movie are comical caricatures of your average New York City redneck, which is a thing, apparently. Yes. Uh, they, they're they horrible, horrible trailer trash. Um Peter, uh, you know, they have a quick conversation outside where she briefly flirts maybe with him and then leaves because her boyfriend has a car. And, you know, that's that's all that matters. Sam Raimi's trying to say. 
Yeah, uh, he's like he's like a he's like a again. This is another goober moment from Peter. Yeah. Where he's like, yeah, I love I loved you when we were I in the, the first grade play. Yeah, I love her so much, and I'm so smart, and I have superpowers, but I don't have a car. Damn. Damn. Oh my god, <laughs> the fucking car. He has, uh, he has superpowers and talks to himself about like he had a he has a fake conversation with himself, like he is talking to MJ, like outside the bus the next morning. He, goober is such a good word he, he's goober, such a, goober moment such a dork he, he, he really does a good job of 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 playing the dork peter parker yeah. um we then cut to willem dafoe passed out like a coked out david bowie being told about his crimes and the murder do they say he was murdered or missing his, they said they said that he's been he, they say that he's been killed so he just left the body uh, that, there I, they, said that he's, they said that he's been killed and the glider and combat suit have been stolen yes and he's like wow whoa, who could have done that it wasn't me that was bizarre whoa some kind of goblin <laughs> which uh, so it brings me to a uh, highly divisive and highly uh, contested part. We're gonna ha- we were we were coming to this fork in the road eventually, Alex. Organic web shooters. Um, okay, love, love them or hate them, <laughs> here they are. I'll. I'll do, you, do you have anything to say about the organic webs? My only my only concern is like extremely extremely pedantic. Like, is it a gland in his wrist that just formed? Does he have a sack of web in his wrist? There's there's no answer that isn't disgusting when it comes I, to, like, <laughs> justifying it to me. In my head, I accept it because that's just how this movie franchise, th- that this iteration of the franchise has always been. There is no arguing just because it's there. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't love it. I wish they had given Peter the opportunity to shine and, you know, show some technical prowess with that, with his brain, as opposed to just, wow, he's smart and good at school. Um, I feel like that's more fundamental to his character, like his inventive nature, rather than his, like, I'm going to go to my room and listen to the Smiths. That's, that's, you know, that's (laughs) sad boy. Yeah. Why couldn't we have a little more of, of that? I I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I think organic webs are, are gross they're really gross especially when he's like pulling the fork away from his yeah his, uh, his wrist and it's like Ugh. it makes me wonder like a how did nobody see him and that happen how the fuck does nobody know this guy is spider-man that nobody I knows i can send you a picture on my paper i have written down uh how does nobody question the weird shit peter does that day in correlation with the rise of spider-man yeah, I have I have I have it written twice in my notes. How the hell does nobody know that this guy is Spider-Man? He punches a guy uh, halfway across the room. He shoots a bunch of web all over the place. Uh, he does the like a like, does like a Metroid flip in the air while he's fighting Flash. And then he jumps off of a building and hits a billboard in front of like five o'clock traffic. It's but yeah, it's it would have been fucking weird. Like an hour in the iPhone world, like hey, this guy, this is Spider-Man, I think. I think this guy might be Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, about the organic webs, I definitely agree with you. I think the reason that they did it was because they just didn't want to explain. They already don't explain how he made the costume. He just made it. But they didn't want to explain how he like built the web shooters. But I'm like, that's kind of really important because that shows that Peter is... It does not his, take off. Peter's, Peter's greatest strength is how smart he is. Mm-hmm. Uh they do it even in the even in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, which spoiler alert, I do not think are good. 
uh, they have him make the web shooters. And in the MCU, they have him make the web shooters because mm-hmm. it shows that Peter is smart uh, and it uh, shows him that he's he's a clever guy. Clever is a good word for it. He's not only smart, but he's inventive. He's not he doesn't yes. only make things, but he's good at coming out of ways to get out of situations. Be yeah, it, and, and this, an, this in this in this own life or being, you know, being buried under a ton of rubble. Yeah, and in this in this movie he's just sort of like, "Oh, yes, you uh, you got the science award. Good job, smart kid." And then he just doesn't really do a whole lot of Yeah, he makes like a passing reference to like working for Dr. Connors, which is cool. But and then he like goes to college in the later movies. Uh, but he's just sort of, I guess, like background smart. His his intelligence is not really played up as much as I would have liked. Right, we're not shown his smarts as much as we're told he's smart. Yeah. Um. So we get you know we get the fight scene at school. We get um, and we get a quick little you know. Uh, it's very reminiscent to me of the original Superman movies. The, the when he debuts the wall crawl and oh my god, that scene is fucking awesome. I love that scene. I can't explain specifically what I mean, but it feels very reminiscent to me of like the yeah, feeling. it's it's very it's very Donner Superman trying yeah, out the powers. Exactly. It's it's that whole scene where it zooms in on his fingertips and he, like the the little hairs come out, which is weird but also cool. He climbs up the wall. That scene is timeless. awesome, and the music swells. Ugh, feels very timeless and very old school. It's so good. Um, Peter designs his own, you know, original wrestler suit. He wants to go into the wrestling ring, fight Bone Saw. He wants to go in the wrestling ring to get three thousand dollars to buy a car for MJ, <laughs> and like they superimpose her face and a car flying into the screen. Um, I will say I've heard stupider motivations for characters. This is a, this is a very silly movie. Peter's an incel at this point. And he's, Peter's an incel. He's doing some wacky shit for for a for a class five femoid or whatever it is those guys oh say. <laughs> um, he uh, you know, it, it, it's some kind of motivation, and it gets us to you know the point where he it's costume design time, and yeah. not only is Peter brilliant at science, he's also the best comic artist in the world apparently. Oh hell because yeah, he's, he's going to comic with some sharpies, and it's like, dude, what can't you do? Get this guy a guitar, you know what this I mean? This guy's a fucking guy, Renaissance man. It's he's 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 wonderful. Did the spider bite make him a gifted artist? I'm wondering that right now. <laughs> Did he I, like I, did he I, stick figures I, the day before? <laughs> I do, I do, he's like fucking coming, he's like drawing like Mona Lisa shit. I do think that it's really cool that uh, when he's like coloring in the suit, he's like add more color and he's coloring in the suit, and they had the spider crawl by, I think it's cool that he incorporated the red and blue of the spider into the suit. I think that's a cool way to sort of explain the color scheme it's kind of a sucker punch because that's a great edit that you're talking about right there immediately preceded just minutes before by the mj and the car cut yeah and they do there's lots of really weird seconds apart even there's lots of really silly edits in this this is a very silly movie like i said this there's lots of weird silly transitions and edits and part of that is raimi's style uh and i guess part of it is to like recapture the sort of 60s silver age comic stuff which uh works sometimes like tone wise but when it's like we're gonna have uh the flashing skulls it's like come on exactly um so so peter he he designs a cool suit but just for the you know for the sake of the wrestling match he's wearing his 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 you know track suit special uh spray painted hoodie it's decent the 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 uh, what is his wrestling name? The Human Spider. Human Spider. 
you know, the wrestling match just prior to that, we get our, our final conversation with Ben and Peter. It's very, very poignant and sobering. Uh, and that, that conversation is really, really well done. I wouldn't frankly, I wouldn't change a thing about it. I think it's it's for for the sake of not sounding like a meme or anything. I, I think it's iconic cinema. That conversation, it's it, 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 feels, it's, it transcends it's the, being a Spider-Man movie. It's the gold standard. Mm hmm. Uh, even though Ben doesn't have the details of like the precise thing Peter is going for, going through rather, um, he he manages to give him advice that like resonates to his core and like. And you can tell he like really cares. Yeah, he while while he might not understand, you know, Peter, you're Spider Man and you have Spider Man powers. He knows that Peter is a good kid and he's going through some shit, and you know he. We all we all like to we all think we should have an Uncle Ben in our lives. We should all be so lucky. Yeah. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Uh, Cliff Robertson is Cliff really Robertson? good in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, he's also isn't he in two and three? Very briefly, he is in, uh, he is in two and a three. They do trot him out for three. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. That bought him some some cafeteria dinners for a poor, while. Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, very, very uh, prolific conversation there. I think it was interesting. I think this, uh, a lot of people attribute that quote to Uncle Ben because of this movie. I think it was purely like dialogue box narration. And, and yeah, it was, a, it was a dialogue box at the end of Amazing Fantasy 15. And I think since then, most versions of the story have Uncle Ben having said it. Because it just makes more sense. Yeah, that's just. I wonder if that was Raimi's call, and if so, that's like a mark that touched every like imagination of the character since. That's you know what? It's not a bad mark to have. No, not really. Um, absolutely stunning Bruce Campbell uh, Campbell cameo in this movie. Um, Campbell my, King, my favorite of the three. Uh, if you ask me, I like the waiter. I would also I say like it's the best of the three. I like the actor. He gets a. I wish Bruce Campbell actually announced wrestling matches, then I'd watch wrestling. Uh, <laughs> great guy. Uh, until he's not. Uh, this was recorded in 2020 for posterity's sake. Asterisk. Of course, of course. We're, 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 we're future proofing this podcast. Do not worry. <laughs> Bruce Campbell does some fucked up shit. Uh, we denounce that. All right, we're good. <laughs> Alongside uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, rest in peace. Um, rest in peace. I love that he's not just Macho Man Randy Savage. He's Bonesaw. Bonesaw uh, is ready. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Oh Great God. original character. Uh, I like to think Bonesaw should be in every version of the yes. origin story. From they don't even, I don't even think they do the wrestling stuff in Amazing Spider-Man. No, they just kind of cut to him like swinging around the warehouse and being cool and being Spider-Man. That's a whole different thing. We'll get into that <laughs> later. <laughs> So, you know, the wrestling match goes the way it goes. Peter gets uh, the great iconic, uh, missed the part where that's my problem line, lets the uh, would-be thief go, who then attempts that to... Scene, that scene is really great. There's a car chase in the Raimi classic, the Delta. Uh, a lot of bullets get fired through the ceiling. It's, it's, we get it's to see awful. the awful CGI in this movie. Yes, uh, which apparently some executives thought it was actually Tobey Maguire doing all his stunts in this movie, but that like I would love to be a fly on that wall here. Like, no, you fucking moron! The CGI in this movie is very bad, but I really enjoy it. It looks like a horrible PS2 game. Yeah, but that looks like a fun PS2 game. <laughs> um, <laughs> the killer is unmasked. It turns out, uh, oh, he's the killer. He he killed Uncle Ben. Peter feels you know yeah. the remorse, the regret, and that shame. 
I think Raimi captures the spirit of the unmasking really well with putting his own, you know, brutal twist on it. Because if I'm not mistaken in the comic, Peter just kind of knocks the guy unconscious and the, the yeah, frame and he hands him over to the cops. And the guy dies in this movie. Peter, yeah, that's that's really Peter just like straight Spider-Man, up kills a guy. In let this me movie. Spider-Man doesn't kill him. The guy dies because of Spider-Man. If that makes sense, Peter that's, could have saved him. Peter could have webbed him. Peter could have grabbed him. Peter knew with his spider sense this guy's going to trip and fall out the window, and he just let it happen. So I, I don't know, you know, if you, what your ethics, what your philosophies are, listeners out there. I don't know if you think Peter killed the guy or not, because like it's a whole thing in later movies. Spider-Man doesn't kill people. Um, it's a brutally Raimi twist on the story without yeah. without the sake. Of, the guy's not like speared or anything. It's not like gross. It, it's just, you know, it's different. It, it, it's an alternate take on it. And I like that. Uh, the the music when uh, Peter comes home from the wrestling match and like hugs Aunt May, that music is really oh, fucking yeah. good. That, that yeah. little main theme sting is really good. Uh I love the really sharp transition from like the dramatic death of Uncle Ben, that whole scene to like, oh, Green Goblin blew up a bunch of guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have much to say about that scene. Uh... <laughs> and then right after that, uh, before, right before J.K. Simmons is my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, it's the big montage where Spider-Man is like, he makes his costume and then he's like going out doing stuff, fighting crime. People are like, oh, I hate this guy. I see the web and it's his signature. And and I know Spider-Man was here. The guy protects us, you know, he protects the people. Ah, some kind of freaky Lewis something wackadoo. He stinks and I don't like him. I, I love, I love montages of just like Spider-Man doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, all three of the series do that. Like, there's one in Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's one in Homecoming, and there's one in this. Yeah. And they're all really good. Part of the, the uh, mythos and the mystique of Spider-Man is, is his intense, like, cultural relevancy to his to Queens, to, to New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, he's intensely a local, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He, he's, he's not... And it's... Superman has all of Metropolis. You know what I mean? Uh, Batman has Gotham City. You know, every, everyone always has this great, grandiose thing. Spider-Man can't get further than, like, you know, the edge of New York State in maybe, like, six or seven hours. You know what I mean? This, the scale is not as, as huge for him. Yeah. All of these things happen in this pocket of this world. And it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the denizens of the pocket of that world, like, you know, have such visceral reactions. And one thing I, I love about this scene is how like, so, so comic booky it is. Like there's like, he stops a, a grocery store robbing and then he, he captures like two jewel thieves dressed up in like balaclavas and like in a big spider web. They really were not afraid uh, to pull the giant spider web card with this movie. And, and there's like, and there's like newspaper headlines flying around and he's like, oh yeah, who is he? It's like, I love this scene. It's my favorite part of the no, movie. It, I can't get enough of that scene. It's intensely Raimi. This is the scene where they have the big uh, debut of the the Spider-Man costume for this movie. Yes. Uh, what is your opinion on this costume? The Raimi suit, I feel, is uh, I think it's perfect for its time. I, it's a lot of people's favorite. Uh, you know, there was a big controversy with the PS4 game about this time last year where people were like outright demanding it. And they were like, no, you know, you'll get what you get. And a lot of people felt like the game studio was pressured intensely into putting that suit in uh people love it people go absolutely hog fucking wild for it and i I think it's 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 intensely 
a perfect suit for the the era that it's in, the movie that it's in, who it was directed by. It it screams yes. Sam Raimi's Spider Man. It's edgy without without being like Spider Man Unlimited edgy. It, it, it it's um it checks a lot of boxes. It retains a lot of the retro coolness of it with like the raised webbing. Uh, the color scheme is on point. It, it's great. I, I love yeah. the sharpness of the eyes. It's 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 fun without being like McFarlane big, you know, without directly aping off of it entirely. I think very highly of the suit, but I'm hesitant to call it my favorite. I'm a little bit less enthusiastic about the suit. I do agree that it looks really great for it looks a lot better than lots of the other superhero costumes. Like it looks better than anything in the the first X-Men movie where they're all wearing like shitty leather costumes. Uh, but I do have lots of like little nitpicks. The logos, uh, the like the chess logo and the back logo, uh, they look good in this movie. Uh, but for some reason in the second one, they change it mm-hmm. and they make them look like sports car logos. And like they're really angular and sharp. And it's like, ah, come on. Yeah, that I can't justify. I, I don't I don't really like the Raimi Spider-Man logo. It's not I'm not super in. It looks like he's like, ah, scary. It looks like the Venom chess logo. Yeah. Like when they do the black suit in three, like they barely change it. It borders on edgy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as huge of a fan of the eyes. Uh, I would, I like more when they have the the more rounded ones with the big black borders. I think the muscle suit. He like wear, Toby Maguire, even though he's like ripped in this movie, he wears like a big muscle suit, and it looks kind of weird. Uh, and I'm gonna say it right now, I don't like the silver webbing. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I like the I like the raised quality of it more than I like the color of it. Uh, I think I think if it had been black, that would have been a lot more appealing to the eye. Um, yeah, I'm not crazy about the color as much as I am the raised My, part of it. I, I think the raised is cool, but uh, every time I see it, I just think I could peel that off really easy. <laughs> it's kind of like a stem thing or something. And just uh, like, boop. You gotta imagine, like, when you get, like, when there's little, like, rubber parts on your shoe or something that come off like that, you know, does it, do those pop off? How how often is he having to, like, hot glue this thing back together? Yeah. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, as I mentioned, you know, arguably, a lot of people like to point to Watchmen as, as a really great uh, comic to the screen adaptation. And I, that works for some characters, yeah, but nothing, and I mean nothing, touches J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, J. He Jason is and- the... The perfect. He's like a Halloween costume come to life. He he's like a, like Disney Parks quality level, like into it. He, he, he is, is the character. character. Uh, you buy it. You buy the whole thing. Like they don't. They give him more depth later with like the pill bottle gag and the wife on the telecom. You know, intercom, all, all that. You know, that's that's building off of what we had from him, but. We have him very briefly in this first movie. We have him, you know, pseudo hiring Peter. You don't have a job, you know, freelance. And then we have him later, uh, you know, being assaulted and interrogated by the goblin. We don't see him much, but we learn tremendous amounts about his character from just these two scenes. Uh, It's like the panel is that's him. That's that angry ass guy right there. I like that that they didn't modernize him. He's straight up that guy. He looks like the 1960s J. Jonah Jameson. He just hasn't aged today it's great uh perfect modern but timeless good stuff best ever uh so norman osborne is squeezed out from his company by the board great scene there where uh we get a lot of fire at the at the board you can't do this to me all that all that good stuff (laughs) you know how much i sacrificed so uh, uh norman osborne's performance uh from uh defoe in this movie is intense 
uh, full of fire, full of rage. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of captures that conniving element that we have from the character of Norman Osborn in the comics that it's not really shown as much as it could have been because he's only in this, you know, as a person in this first movie. He's he's like a flashback ghost yeah. in the second and third where it's mostly the goblin at that. But Defoe in this movie brings a lot more of a psychotic element to it. Like he's just an American psycho waiting to happen, which is ironic. Uh, there, there's definitely a Bateman quality to uh, the Raimi Osborne. Uh, so he's, he's squeezed out of the company, super pissed. Uh, Unity Day rolls around, which I want to say that scene has to have been like a post 9-11 injection into the movie, like a New York Unity Day. Yay! Like, what's what the hell is Unity Day? And it's right around know. Thanksgiving. It, it's like, okay, it, some some more wonderful CGI in that scene, by the way. Oh my god, the uh, balloons the look so the, fucking terrible. <laughs> it, it looks like an N64 game. The goblin <laughs> looks terrible in this scene. What do you think about the goblin costume? I think the goblin costume... <laughs> I have some fun anecdotes in the trivia about that. Have you seen the footage of the original animatronic mask? Oh, that would have looked fucking There's sick. There's scene that makes my fiance just absolutely like crumble with laughter where they like i i want to i can't remember the exact wording they say like give me the most like i don't remember the word they use but like give me the most benign face you can make and the animatronic green goblin face straight up looks like it's shitting its pants (laughs) it's it is so bad and i'm so glad that they went with what they went with over that i actually kind of think that uh cgi mask looks cool uh it could have worked but have you seen the there. have you seen the alex ross designs that he did for green goblin uh yeah i must have at some point i can't conjure them in my mind at this very he's like moment. wearing he's like but, got like uh, a yeah. weird craggly face and he's like wearing yes, these like tattered yes. robes it looks really good yeah i dig it i do i, I think i think i my only problem one of my problems with this costume is and with the same with the um the spider-man costume there's no like life to it. The eyes don't move. If he wants to show emotion, he has to like pull up his little eye windows so you can see his uh, his eyes. Light ear style. Yeah, uh, and it's it's just it's just because it's one solitary green color. There's not even any purple in it. It just feels sort of. Yeah, it was interesting the lack of purple. Um, yeah, it's it's too monochrome for me. It's to really too. Work with it's it. very military. It's very tactical because you know that's what they were gunning for was that it was a military contract. Yeah apparatus of that so you know we it was very camo green was you know very very about to be commonplace again with a a funny with a funny goblin helmet (laughs) imagine operation desert storm with everybody wearing green goblin outfits (laughs) 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 people and they're going fucking crazy oh my god pumpkin bombs (laughs) holy shit Oh my god. But yes, uh he skeletonizes the board of directors. Yes. And oh my god. Even though he hasn't now is this pre or post? This is pre the Thanksgiving scene, right? He hasn't even yes, met MJ yet. He attempts to kidnap MJ despite never having met her and not knowing that she's dating his son, which is just a fun coincidence, I guess. There there's there's a, millions of people. And there's a trend in these movies that Mary Jane just gets kidnapped by the bad guys because that yeah. It's just an extension of, you know, Parker Luck. It is what it is. I guess. 
Uh, so he skeletonizes the board of directors, him and uh, Peter, who was there taking uh, photos, you know, does a Superman run and tears his shirt off and he's the Spider-Man and they have a confrontation. It's very Power Rangers. Yeah, it's, it's, very, a, it's, a uh, very, it's a very silly scene. Like there's, lady the who goes, like there's that lady who goes, it's Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, but it's 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 still a really fun scene. Um, they have a brief fight. The Peter rips a bunch of shit up with the glider, and we get a fantastic "We'll meet again, Spider-Man." That kind of shit. Fuck yeah, just, just classic. Does not get much better than that. This this movie, um, this movie, and sort of the Raimi trilogy as a whole operates on this like heightened sense of reality, where everything is like super big and melodramatic. Like when people have like re- relationship arguments, they're like super big and dramatic. Uh, and when there's villains, they get beat up. They go, "Ah, we'll meet again, Spider-Man." It's like, I guess, because it operates on that that sort of heightened sense of reality, it makes the melodramatic elements like less. It makes them stand mm-hmm. out less, so it, it's not as outrageous. It, that's and that's a good uh, thing to aim for in a comic adaptation like this. I think. Yeah, especially if you're going for like that Silver Age style. So from there, if I'm not mistaken, I, I have a bit of a gap here with what I was writing down. I was uh, I was doing dishes while I was doing this. Yes. Um, from there, we get the scene, if I'm not mistaken, where uh, the goblin assaults the Daily Bugle office trying to find a photographer that takes pictures of Spider-Man. Jonah does not give up Peter, despite the fact that he doesn't like anybody, let alone, you know, Puny Parker that, that takes That's... the picture. That's a really great character moment. I love mm-hmm. that. You know, and that's that's been pointed out a lot on the internet. But I, yeah. I, I think it's worth pointing out that you know Jameson, he's he is slime. He is he is a, a, a shitty scumball of an asshole. But he would not give Peter Parker up, even though he was physically there in the building. You know what but I he's, mean? He's 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 yeah, he's a good guy at heart. Yeah, he he's not a he he's not a sympathizer. <laughs> he's he's not a he's he's not just going to collaborate. He's a he's, a, he's a very he's a very callous guy who's like i'm always right but uh you know he 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 genuinely uh you know wants to protect this kid who just like showed up at his office we get a phenomenal uh uh scene of the green goblin putting peter to sleep with some just straight up sleep. It, that i think is probably my favorite green goblin moment in the whole movie oh God. um that's it's tied with godspeed spider-man with me it, 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 that right just sleep that's all he could say right then at that moment he he's like palpatine levels of i love being evil it, it, yeah. it's, it's wonderful so the goblin kidnaps and attempts to recruit spider-man we can keep doing this over and over because i fucking love it we can keep fighting until i kill you or you kill me it's just gonna keep happening or you can team up with me and we can be the one percent, and we can and we can take on the world, and and we'll get married, retire one day, Spider Man. It'll be this great. is a this is a very um, silly movie. I don't know if you knew this. Silly. He puts him to sleep, kidnaps him, gives him an ultimatum, slaps him on he the head, slaps him on the back of the head, <laughs> and he flies away. He leaves him. He could have unmasked him. He could have just slit his throat, but he doesn't care. He's he's, he's a he's a sporting fellow. He got his revenge. That board of directors is gone. He got away with it. He has like weird non-motivation in this movie. He becomes the Green Goblin because he wants to get his uh, the the contract from the military, right? So he becomes mm-hmm. a Green Goblin, then he becomes crazy. Uh, and then, you know, he, the, he did the test, and then he loses the government contract, and then he gets kicked out of his company. So it was like, okay, 
I'm going to be the Green Goblin and kill everybody uh, on the board. I'm gonna do he kills everybody time. on the board, and now he has full control of the company. Uh, and then he's just like, well, uh, I guess I'll go like blow shit up so I could fight Spider-Man now. And I guess I'll try to make him my friend. My my new full time job is fighting Spider Man and hating I, my son. I guess he had he's there's like a complete lack of motivation. He's just like I guess I'll do sh- evil shit. And you would think that would make people want to tear the character apart, but people for the most part react very positively to Defoe. He's he's still really great. It's just like uh, uh sure. So uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Peter stops a gang of thugs from harming MJ in, uh, in the classic Ellie sequence. We get yes. we get the the kiss, which Kirsten, was Kirsten horrible. Dunst doesn't wear, Kirsten Dunst doesn't wear a bra for some reason. The 2002 Women's Liberation. It's you know, <laughs> get over it. <laughs> um, the the kiss was apparently really hard to film because uh, Tobey Maguire's sinuses kept filling up with water, and I oh think that's God. really really funny. <laughs> I like I like the imagine like the the mental image of just him sputtering every time. Yeah, just imagining you get water up your nose, coughing all over her face. We get some, you know. Peter is always very emotionally and romantically tugged in like five directions at any given time. That's part of his character. And like I completely forgot, I wrote I wrote it down in my notes. MJ is like in a relationship with Harry, and she's just like making out with Spider Man. Like what the fuck. Look, I feel like Spider-Man saved my life and then made out with me. If I came home and told my fiance that, they'd be like, well, I'm not thrilled, but Spider-Man, <laughs> you know, it's what do you mean? It's just like MJ is like out here, like, oh, like, I love you, Spider-Man. Like, I, I, A, I'm sorry, but B, you get it, right? It was Spider-Man. <laughs> it was Spider-Man. <laughs> you, it's fine. The hall pass. <laughs> the spider pass. Um, but yeah, you, you get MJ uh, getting a sense of, you know, she she's with Harry. You get a sense that she likes Peter, but she also is falling in love with Spider-Man, which is inherently, you know, a, a very Spider-Man kind of story. Um, Peter is a loser in life, and he's definitely a loser at love, uh, yeah. probably even more so than life. Um, but yeah, we get a very, very, frankly, iconic uh, piece of cinema again with that that upside down kiss. Yeah. Um I wonder if that was written that way or if that was more of just like a Raimi, like, hey, I think that'll look cool. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, so we get a scene very shortly thereafter. Uh, we get a burning building. Very great Spider-Man dialogue outside where he's talking with the cops about, uh, I'm, I'm not coming back, chief. Uh, he is then assaulted by a stock sound effect that turns out to be the Green Goblin. This is a very silly movie. Here. If there's a way for you to play that sound effect. Oh, I'm gonna try to sneak it in there. It's 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 it it took me out of it then and it takes me out of it now. It's he like has like a, a soundboard on his suit and he carries yeah. around this like little old lady rag that he hides behind. Oh, I'm a little old lady. Oh scary of the green goblin. It's so surprise, it wasn't a screaming uh dot wave file, it was Norman Osborne. And he, so stupid. <laughs> he throws some uh, some knife bombs at Peter, it's, cuts him up pretty bad. They fight in a burning building for a while, and then Peter just kind of leaves. <laughs> Even though like... Norman went to the trouble of lighting this apartment building on fire, he easily could have been like, ah, and shot a bunch of people with his glider outside. Peter just leaves. Nobody says no to me! Uh... So, um... Uh, we get a great Thanksgiving scene. Very, very tense. We've all had tense not tense as this, maybe, I would hope, but very tense Thanksgivings. Uh, Peter and Harry are living together in a loft apartment in New York that must cost $5,000 a month. Um, it is insane. 
uh, Aunt May and MJ. Well, hey, are Norm, Norman is bankrolling that thing. Yeah, easily, easily. No worries. They, they there. talk about it. Uh, Norman is coming over to visit. He, you know, is disappointed by every breath that Harry takes. So Harry is very, you know, keyed up about him meeting working class MJ. Uh, it does not go well. Norman nope. acts like a coked out lunatic the whole time. And then Peter just has, Peter just has a complete dead expression, which looks really stupid. He's like, he like two Xanax bars before he came here. <laughs> it's just like, he's reacting to nothing that's happening in front of him. We have, we have that great blood drop moment when Peter blood comes drop in moment when he's on the ceiling that nobody knows how to look up. And Peter comes out, he's bleeding through his shirt. Norman has like, an orgasm at the table when he realizes that Peter is Spider-Man, gets up, leaves, says a bunch of misogynistic shit that MJ absolutely hears through the door. Uh, Harry does not stick up for her. Everything implodes, and Peter still just sits there at the Peter's table. Just like, <laughs> he doesn't realize he just got found out. He's just like, wow. <laughs> yes, Norman realizes uh, that Peter Parker is the Spider-Man. So to strike at him, he uh, decides to not not attack, not 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 hurt, but just scare the shit out of Aunt May one night. Gotta attack his he heart. Bombs her. He he bombs the bedroom while she's praying, and then uh, I imagine just leaves because oh, yeah, yeah, she's he, in the he, hospital. And then he make, he makes her finish the <laughs> prayer and then leave. Her pray and then leave because Norman's a good Catholic. Um, <laughs> but I, I love that he doesn't. We don't even see him leave. We just cut to the hospital with Peter. He's like, <laughs> like he just stood, like he just sat there until the, the dance showed up. Like Pennywise or something on the glider. Oh and then he uh, Peter realizes that his identity has been compromised. He doesn't know who the goblin is, but the goblin knows who he is. So uh, he stays with Aunt May. MJ decides to visit during recovery, and we get a lot of. Uh, a lot of soul bearing peter goes on a very romantic soliloquy that like is a little muddled through his through toby's delivery all of his romantic dialogue ends up sounding exactly like this no matter what he's saying you know what i mean how it, the it, fuck it, does she not know that he's spider-man <laughs> yeah, they sound exactly the same there is a fun little bit at the end after they kiss at the funeral she like kind of has like starts and it's like oh wow that kiss i i you know like a recognized recognition kind of thing yeah. but uh, the sign should have been there much sooner <laughs> she's yeah. she's not terribly bright <laughs> She's a great actress. Uh, MJ is a great actress and and a great waitress and a good person. But well, she's, she's not, not a good terrible. actress. They they said that she needed acting lessons. <laughs> well, that's one critic. <laughs> and then there's a whole subplot in Spider-Man Three about how she's not a good actress. True, I suppose that's true. Uh, so Peter, uh, you know, he's comfortable enough to admit his feelings uh, for MJ. You know, he he attempts to make a phone call to talk to her about it. And he gets the goblin hotline instead, telling him <laughs> that uh, he's got her, his girlfriend and that they should come hang out at the bridge. Yeah, make out, <laughs> hang out at make out point. Peter leaves Aunt May at the hospital and confronts the goblin at the bridge. And he is um, essentially made to uh, make a choice. It's really reminiscent of the death of Gwen Stacy. Um, we have the goblin holding MJ on one edge of the uh, top of the bridge. And at the other side, a cable car just full of kids. Which is the wire, like the wire, like the Boy Scouts in a cable car in the middle of the night. It's like midnight. By the, <laughs> the fuck are midnight. they there? Uh, you know, tour in New York. 
we get some really really decently made uh combat action you know he zips around he does manage to save both we get an intensely patriotic uh oh. you mess with one of us you, you mess, mess with, with all of us, us. Yeah, while well, you go you messing with a guy who's uh, trying to save a couple of kids fucking walking here that, that's fair. that's that that is the one scene you know they added in after 9-11 oh yeah i do know that it is that's a fact yeah. uh it's they're like, yeah, hey, we're it, New it, York, it and then they just keep doing that in all of all three movies, <laughs> throwing away pipes and beer cans at the goblin. That's how they, and that's what enables Peter to be able to save uh, both the children and uh, Mary Jane, who he lowers onto what a trash barge. Yeah, the tra- like, right? the, like the tra- like the old sea dog shows up on his trash barge to save him. He's like, yeah, right. And so then you know the friendly New York City caricatures save him. Yes. Uh, Peter and the Goblin then take their fight to some kind of abandoned brickwork structure. I wasn't sure if it's a church. I, or, uh, I don't know. Some kind of old decaying brick structure. Great, great set piece. Great set piece. I think I always. It reminds me thematically that whole scene of the final duel with the uh, Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. It's lit a lot of the same way. A lot of gray, blue, black light. Um, it's very brutal. Peter gets the shit bombed out of his face. <laughs> yeah. Um, he crushes Norman with a brick wall, which in the next scene is just rubble. When like literally in the cut before, it was a solid wall that makes me laugh every time. Yeah, um, Harry Harry gets a bomb in the face in Spider-Man Three. He's got a huge scar, but Peter gets a bomb in the face in the first movie. And he's just oh, his mask is messed up. Yeah, well, that was some like bulletproof spandex. It's it, it's fine. <laughs> Get that at Joanne Fabric for uh, four ninety nine a yard. Of course. Um. So yeah, there's there's a great great combat sequence, um, wonderful line delivery from Peter about uh, well, well I should say uh, there, there's an unmasking. Norm's getting his absolute dick handed to him after you know he he makes some threats against MJ. Peter gets a second wind, knocks the shit out of him, and Peter tries playing the it's me, it's Norman, it's me, Peter, don't do it. <laughs> uh, he tries to schmooze in on him. Yeah, be like a son to me. And Peter hits him with the I had a father. His name was Ben Parker. Uh, That's a good line. Norman tries to pull one last fast one on him and spear him with the glider. Spider-Man does the very obvious Spider-Man thing to do and jumps about three feet in the air. <laughs> and the glider uh, pins Norman to the wall, killing him. Uh, his final wishes, uh, he tells Peter, is to not tell Harry. Which... I get what Norman meant by that, but it also, like, if he had just told Harry, you know, a lot of... If he had just told Harry, hey, your dad is the Green Goblin and killed a bunch of people, and also he tried to kill me, and also he killed himself with his glider. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, he he, spoiler, he does not tell Harry. Uh, Probably should have, but he doesn't. So we get, uh, you know, a a nice little wrap-up sequence. Um... Peter's caught delivering Norman's body to uh, to the I almost said the Franco home. <laughs> I guess that is what it is. Uh, he, you know, James Franco, uh, Harry is 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 devastated at the death of his father and, and solely pins the blame on Spider-Man. He doesn't Spider-Man's not really known for carrying twin katanas through the streets of New York. So I don't. Yeah, he's got two gigantic stab wounds and like, ah, yes, of course, the classic stabber Spider-Man. Maybe if he was like, oh, maybe I was drunk and it was just Deadpool and I was like squinting or something, you know, (laughs) but that's not, you know, it is what it is. Peter, he has to hide from his best friend. (laughs) We we have to have a reason for Harry to be mad at (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah, he's he's the new villain. So Peter's caught in the situation where he has to hide that he's Spider-Man from 
multiple people for different reasons. So that's that's kind of where the movie wraps up. Even even at... yeah, that's a really great Spider-Man moment. Even though uh, Aunt May and MJ both get their lives endangered, even though they don't know Peter is Spider-Man. Yeah, you know, just coincidence. You know, it works out. Uh, so the movie wraps at Norman's funeral. Um, Peter kind of steps aside from the ceremony and goes to Uncle Ben's grave and has a conversation with MJ. She wants to be with him, and he gives some very vague non-answers that almost make it seem like he's like, no, we can't be. Yeah, he's, he's, he just, he's like, I can't be with you, which sows the seeds for the worst subplot of Spider-Man 2, but we'll get into that. Yeah, and you know, they, they kiss, and she kind of recognizes it. He steps away, and then the Danny Elfman fades to Nickelback, and that's the film. That song is really nostalgic for me, even though I think Nickelback sucks. <laughs> it, for a lot of people, yeah. And, and, and I should say we do close on more of that wonderful Who Am I? I'm Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. He, swing, he swings away. That's a really great scene at the end. And he, he plants on the gigantic American flag and flies right into the screen. So now that I have gotten, you know, the bare bones of the plot, well, a lot more than the bare bones, actually, I was more we went through the whole thing. I wasn't sure how I wanted to go about this. I feel like that was a no, good, this is great. Good blend of what I was aiming for. So I've got some some fun facts and some trivia now here. Uh, as a lot of people probably know, there is no CGI on the uh, sequence where Peter catches all that shit on the lunch tray. Uh, post yes. spider bite. It took 156 takes, but that was a completely organic uh, take. With uh, the only aid he had was that the tray was adhered to his hand with some sticky stuff, but he caught all that shit after 156 tries. You'd think after try like 20, they'd be like, "Can we just like not do this?" That, that's like a whole day of shooting, you know. Um, I can't imagine they would even bother now. I imagine that would probably. I feel. I feel like Sony would be really upset. Like, what the fuck are you doing, spending all this money on a day of shooting just to get this <laughs> one shot done? You fucking madman. Uh, apparently, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine was supposed to appear in the film in some capacity. And I the, heard about that. The only reason that he did not is that they couldn't find his suit. Oh my god, his like shitty ass leather costume. Yeah. Yeah, he imagine he could just walk around with a tank top. You know who it was? No, he has to have the crappy leather suit. That's his iconic oh crappy God, leather suit. That would be so cool. Uh, Defoe did ninety percent of his own stunts as the Green Goblin. Dude, uh, rock is bizarre to me because uh, you know you think of his stunts. He does. He gets beat up a lot. He gets flipped and kicked and you know stuff like that. But the idea of him standing on that glider in front of that green screen is just hilarious to me. You it's know what? So I mean? good. That man has dedication. Oh yeah, tremendous, tremendous dedication. He should, uh, he should be the mayor. He should be the mayor of New York. He should be the pre- he should be the president of the world. Oscorp Parker, twenty twenty. Osborne. Os Osborne Parker, twenty twenty. Let's get it done. Uh, so September eleventh had a definite, definite impression on this movie. Uh, it caused a recall of a teaser poster featuring Spider-Man with the reflection of the New York skyline in his eyes that had very prominent Twin Towers in it. I think that the the, the shot uh, where they like zoom, like it's the Twin Towers in his eye and they zoom out and then he shoots a web and he swings away. I think they still use that in the final cut of the film in that big montage I was talking about. I think it's doctored, but it is part of that. Yeah. Um, 
there's also a teaser trailer released where he he webs a uh, helicopter between the twin towers that they also could not use, which probably would have been very iconic had it been allowed to release. That trailer is so cool. I'm going to put a link to it in the description of the YouTube video or the podcast yeah. if you're listening to it on a podcast app because that trailer is so cool. I'm going to put a link there. Absolutely. Um, Sam Raimi was uh, a proposed favorite for you know taking over this project at Sony because he is a comic book collector. I'm not sure if you were aware of that or not. Do you have an, I had heard that. Do you have an idea of how many comic books Sam Raimi owned in 2002? I do. I do not. Over twenty-five thousand, and Holy I, shit. I have to assume that number is much larger twenty years later. Oh my god! Yeah, he 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 knew his shit. He was a fan. Conversely, Tobey Maguire had never read a Spider-Man comic in his life. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. Um, uh, Leo DiCaprio was almost Peter Parker. Um, there's a lot, of, about that. There's a lot of actors I have written down. Uh, I think it's interesting thinking about like who could have been other characters, that kind of thing. But as far as Spider-Man goes, it was really largely just a tough call between Leo and uh, Toby for the studio. As far as other characters like that, there were uh, some other character actors for the Green Goblin considered. Nicolas Cage. Oh my god. Around that one. That would have been holy shit. Uh John Malkovich, who was also supposed to later be a different Spider-Man villain, but you know, we got that. Which we'll get into. Mel Gibson, which there's a huge chance I can't imagine Mel Gibson as the Green Goblin without him screaming like racial slurs at Oh my god. Spider-Man. <laughs> holy shit jewish names and stuff yeah he just starts yelling about jewish people (laughs) he's flying around how's all the wars in the world spider-man my god so rough uh brad dorf uh horror legend brad dorf as the green brad dorf you know what i could see that he would probably be pretty good absolutely absolutely he's it's it's all in the voice and it's all in the face for him he's in one i think i think i think john malkovich and brad dorf are probably the two best options if they weren't going to go with willem dafoe brad dorf has this really 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 great one-off episode of the x-files that he's a villain in and i think that alone has me convinced he could have been a good norman osborne uh, it's called Beyond the Sea. I think it's season two, episode something. Check it out. He's he's in Exorcist three, and I know he's really good in that, but I haven't seen it. Great actor, phenomenal. Uh, John Travolta. <laughs> what the fuck? John Travolta was considered for the role of Norman Osborn. Um, no super pass. Ab- uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and uh, finally, Robert De Niro, Mister Mister Jokester himself, Robert De Niro. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I don't think he has the right intensity. Norman, that's the only word I have for Norman Osborn is that he's intense, and I don't see De Niro filling those shoes. Um, there are also some alternate J. Jonah Jamesons that could have been. Uh, funnily enough, Stan Lee very much wanted to play J. Jonah Jameson. He actually auditioned. And he would have been. He would have been good. He auditioned for the part, but uh, they ended up liking J.K. Simmons more, and uh. Uh, Stanley was a huge fan of J.K. Simmons' performance. Loved it. Of Absolutely course. loved it. Hard not to. Uh, Bill Paxton. Gotta say, that's interesting. Uh, Paxton, it's interesting. Paxton toes the line uh, of too funny and a lot of the things he's in. Um, yeah. And I feel like that could have been a detriment to his performance here had he been J. Jonah Jameson. J.K. Simmons plays it super straight. Super straight, but so straight that it curves back around to being funny. I love yeah. Paxton, but I've got to say it sounds like disappointing to think about. 
Um, Michael Keaton was almost J. Jonah Jameson as well. Michael Keaton, the god. Mm-hmm. The vulture. Uh, the vulture, who we will talk about later. He, he I, I think that could have been fun. I think he would have been fun. I can hear it in his voice. Uh, yes. Arlie Ermey of uh, every military <laughs> movie ever. I can see it. I can, I can see it. See it. Uh, I would love to see the little mustache on him. I think that would. I mean, if you just think of shouty guy in movies. I can hear work. him screaming that he wants pictures of Spider-Man. I, that I would love work. It. And lastly, Hugh Laurie. Uh, I think that could have worked. I think Hugh Laurie's got the right face. Maybe not the right voice, but definitely the right face. So those are some some fun alternate uh, spider verses out there where we have casts built of those phenomenal actors. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, the original Green Goblin suit uh, concept was animatronic in nature. Uh, I'm going to see if I can't dig up the link to that test footage of the uh, the suit and the mask itself. Yeah, specifically I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in the description. Uh, I'll try to link you to that so we can put that there. It is absolutely. Um, David Fincher almost directed this movie and had he directed it, he has set, gone on the record to say that he would have made Gwen Stacy uh, more of a, a center stage character as opposed to Mary Jane Watson. I like David Fincher. Uh, I like a lot of his projects. I can't say that I'm thrilled with the idea of him doing Spider-Man. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I, I feel like, da- I feel like David Fincher makes a lot of really cerebral movies. Very bleak movies too. Yeah. I could see him doing like Night Gwen Stacy died. Exactly. I, I and I want to say that's specifically what he wanted to do. And I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like it's really hard to do Gwen Stacy in a movie because everyone just knows her as the Spider-Man's girlfriend who dies. So it's hard to like make people get invested in that character. I think I would love about 30 minutes of a David Fincher Spider-Man project. If he made, made a Spider-Man short film. Yeah, but not not a two and a half hour like plot vehicle. Uh, David Fincher, call us. Lovely. David Fincher, please come on the podcast. Um, please come on the podcast. You're a great director, but you make very bleak things, and they make me sad, and they make me not want to watch things for a while. So those are our guests, uh, Alex Ross and David Fincher. <laughs> yeah, tune in next time, and we'll ask them what their favorite uh, Spider-Man movie is. <laughs> um, let's see here. Franco and Maguire uh, hate each other in real life. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but uh, Franco... May or may not have made a reference to Maguire having frog-like features on the set of this first Spider-Man movie. And that sparked a feud that apparently is still going on to this day. Um, I mean, he's not wrong. I don't blame him. James Franco seems like a huge asshole. To be fair, Tobey Maguire seems like a huge asshole, too. So um, They both seem like assholes. I think maybe they were both just coked out at the wrong time. And Franco said something he shouldn't have. Now they were on they were on different ends of a coke bender, and it, it, the, the energies did not mingle. Mister McGuire, sir, do not hunt me down for saying so. You have unique features. Um, I <laughs> I've known some frog like people. I wouldn't say you're one of them. Uh, <laughs> cocaine's a hell of a drug. That's that's all I got as far as that one goes. Uh, they died. Uh, uh, James Franco's hair brown to match Willem Dafoe for more of a father-son connection. Mm-hmm. However, uh, during a, a period of shooting, they forgot to do that. And in the hospital visit scene, Harry's hair is just black. And I never noticed, but I came across that. I never noticed that either before. when I watched it. 
Yeah, look out for that next time. Harry's hair is just black for one scene, and it's it's really funny. I caught it this time. <laughs> it was something. Um, uh, so as far as the effects department goes, they actually had to do something unique for this movie. Spider-Man's effect shots with his blue and red costume had to be shot in front of a green screen, where simultaneously the Green Goblin stuff had to be shot in front of a blue screen. So they had like a dual like screen approach to that, where they had to have separate like places where they they filmed those things. It was really fun. Yeah. Uh, nearly done. Just got a couple things left here. Uh, if you if you pay attention at the Thanksgiving dinner scene, Peter is wearing green and purple, which are normally colors associated with the Green Goblin, whereas Norman is wearing a suit that is, I want to say it's red and blue. I it, It's definitely Spider-Man adjacent colors, but it, it's a fun little, maybe it was on purpose, maybe it wasn't, but they're definitely wearing each other's colors at that dinner, which is a fun thing to notice. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Banks, who plays Betty Brant, original, originally auditioned for the role of Mary Jane, and I've got to say, I think she's a great Betty Brandt. Uh, definitely a more fleshed out character in the comics, but they do some stuff with her in two and three. Um, yeah, she's she's just sort of part of the Daily Bugle ensemble with like Robbie and Jonah. Would have been interesting to see more from her, but it is what it is. Uh, Christopher Columbus almost directed Spider-Man one instead of Raimi, but he chose to make Harry Potter instead. Uh, Bad choice. I- bad choice for him but i do think that drop a ball on that one i think that it was it's good for everybody because i don't like the idea of a chris columbus spider-man you know what i mean i i I think his movies are fine there's a certain charm to the first harry potter and home alone is like a timeless institution but i can't imagine that his spider-man would have been very like impactful yeah especially 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 in origin like it would be the opposite of the Fincher problem. I think. I think it would be trying too... to do like a trying to do like a childlike whimsy to like my uncle is murdered and I feel bad about it. Yeah, I don't buy it with Macaulay Culkin as Spider Man. Macaulay Culkin as Spider Man. Oh my God, let's get it done. Macaulay Culkin, come on the podcast. He could have been Ben Riley. He could have been. Oh my God, <laughs> that would have been fucking amazing. Dude, holy shit! <laughs> I like that. Um, Macaulay Culkin, and... come on our podcast. Please come on the podcast. Fly to fly to Kansas City or to Florida or just add us on Discord. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just come on the Discord, record a podcast with us. So my last little bit of trivia here. Uh, this is an intensely New York-centric movie, you know, for an intensely yes. New York-centric character. Most of it was filmed in L.A., and honestly, I couldn't even tell. Um, about two weeks total was shot in New York, but besides that, the movie was predominantly filmed in L.A., and I gotta say, that is some good trickery. That is some good soundstage work, because a lot of yeah. it just feels New York to me. And that wraps it up for uh, my fun fact corner for this week. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, our ratings. So, Alex, uh, what are your general thoughts on the movie? Uh, we don't have any other movies to compare this to, so we can't really do any rankings. But uh, what would you say uh, is your rating for this movie? Well, to start with my general thoughts, I think that as far as origin story pictures go, this is head and shoulders above the majority of what has come out in the last few decades as far as, um, you know, multi-picture storytelling goes. Um, It's intensely, intensely fun. The only thing I think that has matched it in terms of, like, fun versus, like the emotional input output I got from it was uh, Shazam. I really enjoyed Shazam. Uh, I actually distinctly remember leaving the theater and saying to my fiance, that felt like Sam Raimi, Spider-Man is what I said. Um, 
it's a hard feeling to capture. It, it's a hard line to tow of like fun. It, it's scary in parts. It, uh, you know, I know I joked about the uh, the the stock sound effect and the burning building part earlier, but there are some legitimate like decent jump scares and decent like thematically thematic elements, as they say in the MPAA language. Um, it. it it balances all these things in a way that only Sam Raimi is like good and capable at. He's very good at fun and gross. And that really shows in this movie. Not, not so much of the gross part, but more so the, the, the spookier elements of it. I like it a lot. It is a great first chapter of the story that he was attempting to tell with this character and this, these characters and this set piece. And all in all, all things considered, I feel really comfortable giving it four and a half out of five stars. All right. It's not perfect. Uh, there's a lot of tiny little flaws. But if you look at it as part one of three, but also if you look at it as just its own thing, it really rings true to the spirit of the character. And I think it's a totally original vision and creation from a creator. I absolutely agree. Uh, like I said before, I think lots of the, the Raimi trilogy is very melodramatic. And we'll get more into more of that in two and especially three. Uh, but the cheesiness uh, and like the heightened reality, it's not. It makes that not as egregious. Uh, this is probably, probably the best version of the Spider-Man origin story across like any form. I definitely uh, agree. I understand why. So it, because it is so perfect, essentially, I understand why they went in like a completely different direction for the Amazing movies. Uh, and I understand why the MCU was like, you already know this. We don't need to talk about this. Uh, you guys really need to see this old man get shot again. You do you really need this? No. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a true blueprint. Uh, when somebody asks you like, oh, what is what is Spider Man's origin? Just show them this movie. You don't really need to talk about anything else. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a four and a half star movie. Uh, it's really really good. So yeah, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got a question or a comment that you want us to read on next week's episode, be sure to send it to us at our email address, spideysignalspodcast at gmail.com, or shoot us a DM on our Twitter, at spideysignals. Next week, we're going to cover Spider-Man 2. So until then, stay responsible. Bye. Thanks for listening.